live from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley, broadcasting from the Salvation Army National Headquarters here in Alexandria, Virginia. With me today is the Assistant to the Editorial Director, Michelle Caceres. Good afternoon, Michelle. Hey, long time, no talk. I know, you're ignoring us. <laughs> I don't know why, but maybe you're, you're we're, we're keeping you busy, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. I'm definitely busy. Just for our listeners' sake, Michelle does a lot of the underbelly work here at the War Cry. We're so grateful for uh, what she does in kind of uh, managing all the behind the scenes things that come together magically as you have the opportunity to read each issue of the War Cry. She's been with us uh, for uh, what? Let's see. I think it's it's well over two years now, right? Are we are we working on year three? Yeah, we are. Time has flown by. And she's also been the creator of our millennial pages. And that was uh, a, an original kind of idea that I had. I had this idea. Somehow we've got to reach out to our millennial readers. And Michelle just kind of took it and she made that idea come to life. So I'm grateful for all that you've done there. Yeah, I think it was because I kept bothering you guys for more work. And so you were just like, how can I get her off my back? That's like, right. I need to give her something to do. <laughs> We've got to give her something to do. But we're really grateful that you kept bugging us. And now now we hardly ever get a chance to – well, I haven't seen you in over a year as you've been working remotely. and uh, But you've been working efficiently and, uh, and just really, really grateful. And we're excited today because you're going to share with us uh, on, on this podcast – uh, you've interviewed uh, co-founder of Fresh Life Church, uh, Jenny Lesko. Uh, who, who, who is Jenny? So I found Jenny. Um, it's kind of funny. I typically just Google Christian influencers and see what pops up and who has a good story to tell. And Jenny was just all over the place. Like every place, every website I clicked on, she was on there somehow doing an interview or something. And I found her story so interesting because I didn't know you could start your own church, which might sound kind of naive seeing as how I work at the Salvation Army, but I, <laughs> I didn't know like normal people could do that. <laughs> and um, I just found her like story very interesting. And so when I reached out to her, um, we were able to finally connect because we must have rescheduled a dozen times. And which makes sense. She has four kids. She's got a whole church to run. And then I had technical difficulties. I had gotten locked out of my email one day and I couldn't log in for the recording. And so we just rescheduled. And then when we finally talked, we had every technical difficulty you can imagine. I mean, we used three different websites. The connection was bad. It was everything that could have gone wrong did. And yet, Jenny was still able to give us such an amazing story and podcast. So whether you're reading it or listening to the podcast, her story is so incredible. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of like how I found her and how we connected. So our listeners get a little taste of w what happens sometimes. We have to be persistent and you persevered to the end and you got a good interview together. 
Yeah. And, and she has this amazing, um, I don't know if it was like her assistant or someone who helps her. Um, she was awesome too, just helping get everything together. It was definitely the, the odds were stacked against us, I think, with this interview. Um, but I just think it was worth it because her story, the way she speaks, I now get it. I get why she is a you know runs a church, her and her husband, because I was mesmerized by everything she said. She has a great way of speaking and connecting to people. So I, I get she's in the right career field. <laughs> One of the great things that I like what you've been doing uh, over the past uh, almost two years now with the, the whole uh, millennial influencer section is that you're finding people that are they're real. They're very authentic in their expression of their faith and what they're trying to do to make the world a better place. And off off air, we were talking a little bit about some of the tragedy that this family has had to go through. It just it just kind of draws me uh, into uh, you know knowing that these guests that you're interviewing and Jenny in particular, this is not somebody that's superficial. This is somebody that has a distinct mission and and message and 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 what is why why is Jenny's message important her message was super important for two reasons actually um the one that i found very i agree with a lot is that um the word religion can be really scary to some people <laughs> and she doesn't like to use that word a lot and she doesn't she just calls it faith. And she's like, at the end of the day, you're going to believe what you're going to believe, but we're here and we've created this safe space for you to believe. Not everyone worships or prays or even talks to God in the same way. And that's the whole point, right? Like some people read the Bible, some don't. Some people journal, some don't. Some people get on their knees and just pray, but some don't. And she's really open to creating a safe space for people to worship as they see fit and to make your own relationship with God without having a church tell you how to have that relationship. So I found that very refreshing. What, what are some other things you think our listeners can learn from uh, Jenny and listening by giving a listen to this podcast today? So to kind of go off your other question too, um, the second part of that would be that she talks a lot about how church has changed, especially with COVID. It's something I didn't even think of. It was just kind of like when she said it, I was like, oh, duh. Like, of course, churches have been affected by the pandemic. And she talks about like, it's a great tool to have online churches, but why it's important to probably stay committed to one church or stay like within one community. She talks about that. Um, and it's, a very eye-opening. Uh, if you if you're not in that situation, you probably don't think of it. But like when she kind of explains that it's great that church is online now, and there's a lot of tools, it can also be very overwhelming. Um, so she just kind of walks people through that and and helps people kind of stay focused on the main goal, which is to have a relationship with God. Well, we thank you for finding Jenny, and we encourage you to now give a listen to Michelle's interview with Jenny Lesko. Hey guys, so today we are here with Jenny. She is one of the founders of Fresh Life Church. Um, she's going to be sharing with us just how she created her church, how she found her faith, and just how she handles negativity and all the challenges facing ministries right now in the middle of a pandemic. So Jenny, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, Michelle. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yes. Oh my goodness. So my life story. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I was born and raised in California. And my husband and I actually met and got married in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
and we met in ministry and where I, where I believe is the best place to meet, uh, your mate is in the church and serving the Lord. And so I'm so grateful that I met Levi in church serving in youth ministry. And so we always, we have in our hearts, a special place for students and youth, but always will, because that's where we met, but also the things that we've God allowed us to do and be a part of within youth ministry, both then and now with our own church is just super cool. Um, and then we moved to Southern California a year after we got married. Um, he took a job there at a church and our, actually our senior pastor in Albuquerque moved out. So we just kind of followed him out there. And then it was about two years later and we felt like God was calling us to Montana. And it was really weird actually, because we always thought that, um, we at least we were always felt a call to reach a lot of people with the gospel. And so kind of in our dreams, we thought like, oh, we're going to move to New York, LA, Chicago, like a big city where God's going to call us to plant a church. So that was kind of like in our hearts. And then when Montana came on the radar, it was like, this does not make any sense. And people in our lives, literally who we respected their opinion, they were like, I don't think you should move to Montana because there's like no people there. And, um, but we just felt like God was leading in that way. And it wasn't like an audible, you shall go to Montana. It was just a kind of a feeling. And, uh, as we were reading in the Bible, we literally read that God told Abraham, Hey, I want you to go to this place. And Abraham's like, okay, awesome. Where? And God's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to show you when you get there. And it was kind of that crazy faith that was like, okay, so we're going to go to a place that we don't know. We've never lived in a place that has four, at least not me, Levi grew up in Colorado, but I had never lived in a place with snow before. And so here we are in January, 2007, which by the way, is like the coldest month in Montana, which we didn't know. And um, it's funny now because we even support this organization called ARC and their whole vision is to help people plant churches. And there wasn't such a thing, at least that we were aware of when we were planning Fresh Life almost 15 years ago. And um, so we always tell people like, well, we just kind of learned the hard way and we didn't really know what we were doing, but we just preached the gospel and love people. And, and so that was kind of our start in the coldest month of the year. We barely had the right jackets or shoes, but God was doing something beautiful. And um, we're just so grateful to have been able to start something and see God take something from the tiny seed that we thought fresh life church, that sounds amazing. And then now almost 15 years later, getting to look back and see the the lives that God has changed, the people that he's drawn to himself, the marriages that have been redeemed and restored and our lives being radically changed by just serving him and surrendering to him and seeing what God might do with two people who don't have it all together, but who just wanted to serve God with their lives. And so it's actually interesting now because we live in a place that a lot of people are moving to. So it's funny because we've, we're meeting all these people from 
New York and LA and Chicago who literally are done living in the city and want to move to Montana. And so it's really funny now, even just looking back and people saying, there's no people in Montana to now be like, there, people are actually moving here. And now like an opportunity to reach people has like basically moved to our front door, you know? And so that, that's really beautiful. And even just looking back and seeing how God has worked in our lives so crazily. I mean, we never, we never thought that when we planted a little tiny church in Kalispell, Montana, which everyone calls it cow's bell, that, um, that we would have campuses all across the state of Montana and in Portland, Oregon and Salt Lake City, Utah and Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And now every church is, but like now online reaching places all across the world. And to have had that seed in our hearts then of reaching a lot of people and now reaching a lot of people. And it's just, honestly, it just blows my mind and it's humbling and it's really fun and really hard and God's just so good. So I'm, I'm so grateful. And, um, that's kind of my, some of my story we have Levi and I've been married almost 17 years. We have five kids total. We have one in heaven waiting for us and four here on earth. We have four daughters. And then our, our last one is little boy Lennox, who's three. And so, um, our lives are full and beautiful. And I'm, I'm so grateful for what God's doing. So what led you to create your own church? Cause I've never heard anybody really wanting or even talk about wanting to start their own church. So what led you to do so? Well, we both grew up in church and both had a love for the local church from when we were little. He grew up um, with his dad being a pastor. And even he said like um, when he was two, he wanted to be a pastor. And then he kind of went away from it, wanted to be a baker for a little while, but then realized like he felt like God was calling him to be be a pastor. And then for me, I grew up in church, gave my life to Jesus at a young age and loved church. And I loved learning about God and I loved serving and loving people and helping people. And so I think just in us, like, it was almost like God was calling us at a young age, which is really special. But like, I, we, I, I mean, in my mind, I knew like in high school was when I kind of realized that I wanted to be married to a pastor and didn't know exactly like what that would look like. But that was kind of like a desire that I felt like God put in my heart. And my whole life, I like wanted to be liked by a guy and wanted to like a boy. And like, I just, there's always just that like back and forth of like, I just want someone to want me. And when I I moved from California to New Mexico and, um, I moved there to be a part of a a church and a a part of a, a missions internship. So basically I was interning in their missions department, learning, um, how to plan mission trips and, Um, growing in my walk with the Lord. And within that year, one of the like guidelines for that year was committing to not dating romantically for a whole year. And I was actually really looking forward to that because I had just come out of a relationship and I was just like, I am just so tired of like looking and wanting and, you know, like all that stuff. And so I moved 
my life to Albuquerque, New Mexico, started this internship. And about halfway through that year, I met Levi and, um, he was serving in the youth ministry. He didn't make a commitment like that. So it was very obvious that he was like always around and, and we were serving together in youth ministry. Cause I, I was serve I was working, serving in the internship, but also serving on the side, so to speak in youth ministry. Cause that was just always where my heart was. And so we met serving in youth ministry together. And, um, and so it was really special though, because, uh, there wasn't that pressure of like, Oh my gosh, does he like me? Well, it was pretty obvious that he did, but it was like, he, there was no pressure of, is he going to ask me out? Because I had committed and I told, like told him I'm not going to date for a year or six more months. And so it was really a beautiful like friendship. And, um, and then after, like right after my internship ended, he asked me out on our first date. But anyways, I, I, went on a tangent, but all that to say, like we met in church and we felt like God was calling us, um, to serve in church and work in church. And we kind of just had the dream of like, it would be so cool because I, my husband very obviously had a calling on his life to lead, to teach the Bible, to preach, um, to lead with a vision. And, um, even in the youth ministry that we served in, like it was, we had a really great crew of people and it was just apparent that he led people well and that we loved doing it together. And so that was kind of when the dream was started of like, that would be so cool one day to kind of start something and see what God might do with it. And, um, and so when we moved to California under, under the leadership of our pastor, cause he moved out and asked Levi, Hey, would you and Jenny be willing to move out with, with us and, and lead the college and youth and, um, creative side of this ministry. And so we were like, yes, that'd be amazing. And so we followed them out there. Really. My husband is such a loyal person that I feel like if, um, cause eventually our, the pastor had to move back to Albuquerque to take care of stuff back at the church. And then we were kind of left without our leader, you know? And, and I feel like if, um, if it were up to, to us being underneath leadership, we would have been under them our whole lives. Cause Levi's so loyal. And I think that it really took like the removal of our pastor for us to kind of realize, oh, okay, so now what are we going to do? And are we going to start, are we going to keep leading this church in California that he was, Levi was kind of like, um, in, in, um, in, intermediately, what is it called? Inner, in, inter, I don't know the word. Um, but he was the teaching pastor for a little bit, but then the leadership of that church was basically just kind of wanting Levi to to teach on the weekend, but not be a part of leadership. Like there was going to be another pastor who's going to lead, but Levi was just going to teach. And we had it so easy. Like literally Levi was surfing every day. We went to Disneyland because we had a season pass all the time. Like it was so easy. And we just felt like if we didn't step out and if we didn't do what God was kind of stirring up in us to do, that we would be just taking the easy way and not following what he had for our lives. And so Montana came on the radar. We had a, there was a family in our church who would vacation, who vacationed in Montana, like their whole lives. And so they were like, Hey, we're putting on this event. You should come like preach at it and just we'll set up this little cabin for you and your family to be at. And so that was 2006. 
and we just had one daughter at the time. But, um, when we were out there, this family, they were like, you should really think about moving to Montana and starting a church. And we're like, that does not seem like something that we would want to do. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like I said earlier. And so anyways, it just more and more as we were thinking about it, we couldn't get it off of our minds. And it was like, okay, God, are you doing this? And is this something that we should do? And so we kind of just like committed, not even at that point, but we eventually committed to five years and we were like, okay, in five years, we could either see that this is not working or we could see that the God is in it and he's working and our daughter will be five if it's not. And we can just move back to California. She'll go into kindergarten. It'll be like nothing ever happened. And so we kind of just committed to that. And I, th- I think that that's a really good time frame too, because like it gives you the the time and space to go through the hard stuff, but still be committed to go through the good stuff and still be committed. And, and so that was kind of where we were at as far as like, God, just show us in within five years, like the church had grown so much and we had grown so much and it was obvious that God was doing a work. And so, um, yeah, like it is, it is weird. Like, I feel like it, 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 especially now, I feel like nowadays there is a high percentage of people who have been in ministry who are quitting and who are seeing like, this is too hard. This, even in this political, even racial injustice, all this stuff, like if you don't say the right things, you're, you're put out to dry. If you're, if you say the wrong thing, like it's so hard this day and age, but it's like, okay, if God, we believe God called us. So we're going to keep showing up. If he moves us on somewhere else, we'll go. But right now he's calling us to be faithful with this. And honestly, it's, I'm so grateful. I love our church and I love the people that God has brought on our staff. I love the leaders that are being raised up. Some people move on to do other things. Some people are staying and leading and strong and vibrant and flourishing here. It's just, um, it's an adventure for sure. And what makes your church different from others? Gosh, I don't know um, what exactly makes it different from others. I feel like, I mean, we have a lot of friends who have churches that are very similar to ours. I think there's just a bunch of different kinds of churches for sure. I think ours, when, at least when we first started it, um, our heart was to provide a place for everyone to be welcome. And we obviously preached the Bible. So that was the biggest thing, a place where, um, Levi could, uh, teach and preach the Bible where we would have worship that was, I mean, not like rock and roll, but like, you know, just more louder probably than normal. And, um, where truly we were giving space every weekend for people to give their lives to Christ and, um, and to surrender their lives to him. And so I feel like it's just, it's super simple, but, um, it seemed like at least when we first started and now that a lot of people will come and they'll say, well, I grew up in this kind of church that was really strict or, um, or I didn't really learn the Bible like I am now. Like, I feel like we hear that a lot and that's refreshing because I know that there are a lot of overly religious people in the world who think that you have to do all these things in order to get to heaven, or you have to live a certain way or whatever it is. And I think that it, um, can easily become more of a 
burden to go to church, whereas our heart is that it would be a place of refuge and safety and anyone can come, anyone can show up and learn the fact that they're loved by a God who created them and designed them and has a purpose for them and um, and where um, they can grow in community and small groups. So we really seek to make it not all about what you can do for God, but what God has already done for you and how that can radically change your life to live a life of strength and flourishing and vibrancy and power and um, facing struggles and heartache and pain and death and difficulty with hope and with um, with a, a fresh look and perspective on what you're going through. And so that's really has always been our heart in serving people and loving people and leading people. Um, and so, I mean, it might be different than some, than some churches. And that's, what's so cool about the body of Christ too, across the world is that there are so many different ways to approach church. And I think for us, it really is love God, love people, like be in community. That's where you're going to find strength. Um, and, and serve, like when you, when you lean in on a weekend and you lean into the message and you lean into time of worship and you're serving and then you, and it's like, God sends you back into your workplace, your school, your home, your wherever God has you. It, that's what we need. Cause I think the more that we pull away from church, the less we are reminded that this world is not our home and heaven is our real home. And, but the people that are around us now, they need a touch from God through us and they need encouragement and they need God's love through us. And so I think that so often we we either only just go to church and we're only in this Christian bubble and we only surround ourselves with Christians or we're totally opposite where we have been hurt by church or burned by church and or people in the church in some way. And so now we're only like we're not in church and we always we just kind of do our own thing. But the beauty of gathering and then scattering to where God's called us to is that we're reminded like, OK, hey, God's called you to this. God loves you. You were born for this. Like deal with the the sin and the issues and the the stuff in your heart bring it to god confess it to people like find healing and strength and then go out and keep loving people and keep sharing the gospel and and so there's just that that beauty of of coming in and going out and um and so i think that that is what's so important about being in the local church and obviously that looks different these days where so many of us are joining online only, but there's still like, we've found so many people who are online church, but who are serving in the online chat and who are leading um, online groups. And there is actually a beautiful thing God's doing in online church. If we can lean into it more and not just observe and watch on a weekend, but actually like be the church. So anyways, it's, it's really a, a special day and God's doing a really good thing. Yeah. And you, you talked about a lot of the challenges that ministries are facing. Um, what are some challenges that your ministry is facing, whether it was pre pandemic or post pandemic? I think some challenges are, um, in ministry 
our, our, the fact that like, when God called you to do something, regardless of how it feels or how it's received by people, um, continuing to serve God, love God, do it for the Lord, obviously for the people that God's called you to reach. But I think so often, especially nowadays, I mentioned earlier about a lot of pastors and people in ministry quitting because it's so hard. And it is because now it's like you're competing with, at least on the weekend, all these churches who are online. So there are some people who will watch like five different church services online. And that's not bad. I mean, that's a great thing. That's a great problem to have that people are taking in from different kinds of leaders. But I think the the challenge is that people aren't just planting themselves in one place where that's where they're tithing, that's where they're serving, that's where they're like, kind of like placing themselves under the leadership of, of one place. Cause it's like, it's so easy just to bounce around, you know, and kind of just like a net Netflix binging, like, Oh, I'm just going to get a little of this, 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 and then I'm done. And then I'm off, you know, whereas like, if you can commit to letting yourself be under one pastor, then you're receiving all the things. So a pastor will go through a book of the Bible or a series or whatever, and they're going to be talking about relationships and death and heartache and loss. And what does it look like to be a a believer in the workplace or in school? And you're going to get everything underneath that leadership and that vision and I think sometimes I know for me, like when I'm like, hmm, what am I going to listen to on this drive? Like I, I go through like different friends, podcasts and teachings and messages. And it's like, hmm, I want to learn about what does it mean to be someone who loves people well? Okay, that's awesome. But I'm not hearing everything from that pastor where when you place yourself under leadership, you're basically saying, okay, I trust God in you. And I want to learn from what God wants to teach me through you, the good and the hard and the easy to hear and the not easy to hear. And so I think that now it's more, um, kind of just little like Costco samples here and there versus no, let's, let's plant our, ourselves deep in this church. And I mean, the Bible talks about that, like those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And I think that there's a power if we just stay put. Also a challenge is being, is people who are, um, easily offended. And I think that this day and age with news and even Instagram news, like there was, there've been times where I have had to not be on Instagram because I feel so inundated with like, okay, this is not me just like being encouraged by people. This is me like having a hard time because people are like pushing their political views and agendas and all these things. And it's like, this is really not good for my soul. And so, but I think in this day and age, it's like people are almost looking for ways to be offended or, or even not that as much as like, um, just easily offended. And you get one side of the story 
you don't get the whole full picture and you have these people who are just mad. And so when you're trying to lead a church and you're trying to lead people in a way that is teaching them, this is how we live as Jesus followers. And this is how we love people when we're offended. And this is how, like, we have found that people are easily offended. And so it's hard when you're getting that thrown at you and you're just wanting to love God and love people and lead the best that you can imperfectly. Yes. Because I think there is no perfect leader except for Jesus. And so we're, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to not do everything perfectly right. But, um, but I think that that is definitely a challenge when you're trying to teach the Bible and then things can get either thrown out of proportion or whatever it is. I mean, everything, think of one thing and that's something that we, we deal with and struggle with. But, um, so I'd say, yes, the, the beauty of, of planting yourself in a church and letting, um, letting yourself be offended and seeing what comes out and how you can learn and grow through it and, and learn from your leaders and small group leaders and pastors. And like, that is just so huge when we can put our humble ourselves and put ourselves under leadership and allow God to teach us through that. I believe that God would really be able to get to our hearts and that there would be a lot more humble believers and a lot more um, Christians who want to hear what other, what someone else is saying, not just immediately judge or want to like understand where someone is coming from and not put a label over them. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that was Jesus. Like Jesus shows us what it looks like to love, to eat with sinners and to love them and to teach them and to, to walk and just, and to take the time to have a conversation with someone and heal them. Like if we, would maybe even just read the gospels more. <laughs> maybe it would just, that, that would help us uh, live the lives that God's called us to live in love and humility. And I mean, the Bible says as much as lies within you, like live at peace with all people. And obviously that's not going to be, we're not going to be able to do that perfectly, but as much as lies within me, like I don't want to stir up stuff. I don't want to be someone who's like pointing fingers and judging and stirring up stuff. I want to be a, a vessel of God's love to people. And yes, that sometimes means having tough conversations and, and showing tough love in moments, but it's with a heart of humility, knowing that, that I'm not perfect and I cannot perfectly lead and perfectly love that's Jesus's job. And so, um, I don't know if that fully answers, but there are, those are some challenges for sure. You talked a lot about how church has been moving to online, especially in this um, post-pandemic world. And, you know, you talked about how you're able to reach a larger number of people. So could you kind of tell me, though, with that, with so much being online, how do you handle negativity that you might see on social media or online or even on your church's website? How do you handle some of the backlash or negativity that people kind of throw at you? That's a really good question. I think... My natural response to negativity online is anger is that feeling I, I think we all get when that just anger kind of rises up and you almost can feel it in your throat. Like, like you just want to yell, <laughs> um, at least that's me. But, um, 
that is my natural response when people are mean online, people are judgmental. Like I don't really get a lot of hate on my Instagram, but my husband does. And that sometimes I feel like that makes me even more mad because it's like, who are you to say such a thing? Like I get a backstage pass to my husband's life and I see him all the time. And I see that he is a godly man who loves and honors God and who loves and adores me and his kids. Like I see it all. And like, it's always hard when someone comes in is just like a one liner, like, how could you do this or this or this or whatever. But I find in those moments that I have to take a deep breath and pray and ask God to give me his perspective in this situation, because usually people will lash out or be mean because they're hurting or they're confused or they've, they've been hurt by someone hurt. We, I mean, we've all heard it said, I'm sure that hurt people hurt people. And so in those moments, when I see something, I don't, and I don't usually respond, but there are times where I have felt that God is leading me to respond in love to someone who takes a jab. And so in those moments, I take a deep breath and I pray and I'm just like, God, give me your eyes to see this person. Give me your eyes to see this situation. I ask for your wisdom. I ask for your love to exude from my response. And every time he is so faithful to do that. And so there have and I, I, I'm thinking even of a few different like um, DMs on Instagram where someone's like, um, how could you blah, 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 blah. And I mean, you can only really hear so much from a text or a DM, but it seemed like it was sent in a not very nice way. And so my response will be, hey, so-and-so. I always like to to use their name because it just makes it a personal connection. Hey, so-and-so, um, thank you so much for taking the time to write this. Um, but this is where I was coming from when I posted this, or this is where my husband was coming from when he posted this. And so I try my hardest to respond in love. And if I start feeling that like tense tightening, like then I just kind of stop. And if I write something that I'm like second guessing, like, I don't think that that's really kind or godly, then I'll write, I'll go back and then start again. And this has, there have been multiple times where a kind answer, and this is what the proverb says, a kind answer can turn away wrath. And so there have been multiple times where I kindly will just say, Hey, this, 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 and then the response is almost every time. Oh, thank you. I'm so sorry for coming across harsh. I just didn't understand. And oh my gosh, like how refreshing is that to have a conversation? And my husband's actually really good at this too. Like sometimes he'll literally call someone and just be like, hey, he'll somehow get their their number and he'll just call them and say, hey, this is where I was coming from. What What do you think about this? And that is so huge. Like if we were to just seek a conversation and not condemn right away, 
I feel like we would be more understanding people and we would hear some, from someone else's perspective and we would be able like, so I feel like in this cancel cult culture, it's like, okay, you didn't say something I agree with. So canceled, you didn't do something that I agree with canceled versus, Hey, when you did that, what were, what, where did that come from? Like, why did you do this? And that is so the way we're supposed to do it. Like even in Matthew 18, when it's like, Hey, if someone offends you, go talk to them and have a conversation with them. And if they don't hear you bring someone along with you and try again, like that is what we're meant to do in tension in relationships. When you feel like your friend is like, um, ghosting you or you have, there's like an attitude that comes from their texts, like ask them about it. Don't talk to someone else about it. Like ask them about it. Say, Hey, I noticed that, um, that when you texted, you seemed a little bit more like, uh, short than normal, or maybe a little frustrated. I just, I'm sensing that maybe something's wrong. Are you okay? And that I feel like could change the game for our relationships. And I don't think that, and this is like totally going off on a tangent, but I don't feel like, um, that all friendships are meant to last our whole lives. I feel like there's friendships for seasons. There's friendships for a lifetime. There's friendships for a moment. And so I think that's something God's taught me is that I can't hold so tightly to relationships and friendships, but I have to keep an open hand and allow God to bring people in my life and allow them to leave. And if it's in a bad way, okay, I pray that they're better because of my influence in their life as they go. But how amazing and how beautiful and even stronger would relationships be if we would just have the hard conversations and just ask a question in humility. Hey, I noticed this. Are you okay? I noticed this. Are you like, can, can I pray for you? Like, and I feel like that would change everything if we just had a listening ear. That was Jenny Lesko. To read Michelle's full interview with Jenny, check out thewarcry.org. Well, that's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow the Warcry and Peer magazine on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Bye for now. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.